0: Epic sermon. <laughs> these two are like the grandchildren of those two old men in the Muppets that were up there in the, the little mezzanine, you know, the grandkids, these two right here. Good morning, church. Good morning, online community. So, we always like to give testimonies um, because it shows that Jesus wasn't a historical figure that lived 2,000 years ago, but He's the risen Savior that is still the same Jesus today as He was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Amen? So, when we did that praise and prayer gathering, I felt like what the Lord was saying, that that particular praise and prayer gathering would do, would move things that were immovable or weren't moving everybody has mountains in their life, right? And you, and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing is changing. And so Chris Jordan doesn't know that I'm gonna use his testimony this morning, but it's been seven months that Chris got laid off seven months ago. And uh, that, you know, that's scary, right? And you see, your, you see your savings dwindling and you're living off of it and it's dwindling, you're living off of it and you're like, oh God. And, uh, but I have watched, I don't know how many times it's been that God blesses Chris every time that he's in transition, and it looks scary. It's fragile. You don't know where the provision is going to come from. But here's what I've watched Chris do. I sent him the scripture yesterday that a faithful man, a faithful man, will abound with blessings. And I've watched Chris in between uh, the, the, you know, there's, there's mountain peaks and you know, what's in between mountain peaks valleys, right? When I've watched him in the valleys, he's faithful. We got a lot of faithful men and women in this church. And I mean, I'm not just saying that as a platitude, I've been passionate many of you for a long time. I've watched how you go through valleys and we truly do rejoice with one another when we rejoice and we weep with one another when we weep. It's a beautiful spiritual community that we have here. And I've watched Chris be faithful. And here's what I've seen God do with Chris. Every time he gets him a new job, he gives him more money than the previous job. (laughs) Because a faithful man will abound with blessings. And so um, Chris starts a brand new job this week. So, And yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord. And uh, Chris is on our tech team. Uh, back there, and um, I just love watching god I love watching God work in your lives. I like get a front row seat to miracles and it 's uh, a privilege of mine to be your pastor and to be able to watch so many lives in real time and watch God answer people 's needs in real time today we 're going to continue a message uh, that I began last week on the power of love. There is no greater power on earth than love. We were made from love and for love. That's why we don't function well without love. It's the fuel that we live on. Love will cause you to spin more than you should, go farther than you think you could, act in ways you never would, share more than you ever should, and give up things that you never thought you could. I mean, you know love. Just the other day, um, my daughter's fiance shows up at our house like at 6 45 in the morning. Now he lives all the way down in Santee, and we're in Ramona, and he works in Poway, and he's my daughter walks in and she said, dad, do you got any tools? I'm, you know, I'm on the couch, my prayer time. Do you have any tools? Yeah, I have tools. What do you mean do I have tools? Kind okay. Of, why do you need tools? And so, so I walked out in the, in the garage and my garage door's open and there's her fiance out there underneath the hood of her car. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, well, she needed a new battery. You know, I'm like, well, what am I chop liver? Right. I mean, I'm the dad here and I saw the transfer of power happening, right? <laughs> And my, right in front of my very eyes. And I had mixed emotions about it. One was like, praise the Lord. Somebody else can fix one of my children's batteries. And the other was like, hey, wait a minute, right? There was a hero change co- taking place, right? So I took off my Superman cape and put... But I thought, I thought wow. I said, well, you, work, you worked out at General Atomics, yeah? I said, what time do you have to be to work? Eight o'clock? I was like, wow. And I thought to myself love is doing that to him <laughs> right and then I go in the kitchen and it's like five till eight and he's in there and she's made him a cappuccino you know and with the froth and, and just everything right and he's sitting there drinking I said hey look didn't you say you had to be to work at eight o'clock yeah I said you know it's five till eight yeah I thought he's in love That's what that is. That's what love will do to you. It drives you crazy. makes you do strange things. There are four types of love on earth. We're going to talk about one today, but there's four types. Number one, these are all Greek words. In the English language, we have one word for love. It is love. In the Greek language, there's four words. Number one is storge, which is the affectionate familial love. It's the family love. It's the love of of a mother nursing a child. The love between spouses, love between parents and children. Then there is the uh, uh, phileo love or philia love, which is your friendship love, where somebody will go to the ends of the earth with you. That's a true friend. Then there is the eros love, which is the romantic love, which is the one I was just describing. And then there is the agape love of God, the unconditional love of God. This is the love we want to talk about today. Jesus introduced this love to the human race. They didn't even have a word for it. This is the love of God. It's not human love. You can't make it up. You can't conjure it up. You can't pretend to have it. It is the love of God. It's completely separate love from human love. And you know the main difference between agape and all these other loves? It is unconditional, but here's another way to say that. Human love responds to lovely things. I love the color red. It's bold. It's brash. It's in your face, right? I love the color blue because it makes me feel peaceful and calm, right? I love the Patriots, right? Well, he's wearing a Patriots jersey, so I'm trying to get him, give him, get him to give more in the offering. I love my dog. I love my wife because these are lovely things. We're attracted to I love you because you love me. That's why I love you because you always tell me nice things about me. I really like you. I love you, right? And so love, human loves responsive. Woo! Look at her. Oh, did you see him? Right? Because they're beautiful. They're handsome. Human loves responsive. God's love Is not responsive. God is love. That's why God can love the unlovable because his love isn't provoked by anything, it just is. That's why it's unconditional, it's not motivated by performance. God's love just loves. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus not only introduced this love to the human experience, He takes this love, and when you give your life to Him, He puts that love inside of you. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Let's read it. It's right here in the Scriptures. Look at this, Romans five. 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because say it out loud come on say it out loud the love of god has been poured out into our hearts by the holy spirit who has been given to us now why do you think god pours his love into your heart when you give your life to him so you can love like him so you can be like him Share His love with the world Yeah, all that's true. But first, it's so that you can know. That you can know from experience the love of God for you. See, the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. God pours it. That's why it says, now this hope does not disappoint. What What hope? That no matter what you're going through, you're going to be all right. How do you know that? Because God has shed his love for you in your heart. You just know God loves you. So it's going to be okay. Secondly, it's so that not only you can know this love, but that you can show this love to others. That the love of God can flow through your heart to a lost and dying world. Now, the holidays are coming, so it's a really good idea to fill up on the love of God because... Your family and relatives are going to be there. You're going to have to spend some time with them. So it's a good time to fill up in the love of God, right? The unconditional agape. I remember one time, it was holiday, and I was going to spend some time with my dad. And whenever I'd go to spend time with my dad, I had to, I had to, I had to prepare myself. I had to brace myself. I had to feel good about myself. I had to remind myself about my good qualities because my dad was very critical, and he he was good at throwing shame. And I found myself, whenever I go to my dad's house, I always had to fortify myself in my own self-esteem and self-worth to be able to be in his presence. He didn't mean to be that way. He just was that way, right? And I remember one day I was at my mom's house getting ready to go to my dad's house, and I was on my knees. My mom's, my mom, my mom's house is easy, right? I mean, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to pose. You don't have to be anything. Just be you. It was very relaxed. It was just different. And so I was on my knees in my mom's house and I was praying to the Lord, preparing myself to go to see my dad. Isn't that awful that you'd have to do that? But see, that's the way we are. As humans, we're all broken. And so we hurt each other. Hurt people hurt people. And so we got to protect ourselves and and position ourselves to be in each other's presence sometimes, right? With certain people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? am I talking to myself today? You guys here? You guys with me? All right. Okay. All right. You live on the planet. There's people here. All right. Make sure I'm on the right planet talking to the right people. And I was, I was on my knees. The Lord spoke a verse to me at first Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love chapter. And it says, love believes all things. And I, you know, it's hard to explain in English what the Lord says to you and how it changes you. What that translated to me was somehow that. English is I'm having a hard time with this because it's just God. I didn't have to be afraid of my dad. I didn't need his approval. His criticisms wouldn't touch me when God spoke that to me. Love believes all things. It just meant believe the best. Don't be afraid. In the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. In that moment, when God spoke to me about his love, it literally removed all fear from me. And that day I went to my dad's house and it was different than any other day i went to his, his house. I went to his house and I sat at his kitchen table with his wife and I said to him dad you raised six very competent children but six very insecure children I said because your love was based on our performance I couldn't believe that I would could sit there and just say that so nonchalantly to my father and he heard it and we had a 4 hour conversation around that topic it was so medicinal it was so honest it was so real but it all came out of me having been touched by the love of the father (laughs) well thanks for coming today because that really was pretty much worth the whole thing right yeah and here's the thing that wasn't in my notes that was spontaneous so someone here needed to hear that it's the love of god that's going to deliver you from all your insecurities and all your fears And you can relax and just be who God's called you to be. Some of you have been hurt so deeply that you've decided not to love or to be loved ever again. Or to love or be loved by certain individuals. You've blocked yourself off, walled yourself off, you've got your your castle wall, nobody's going to hurt me again. And hey, you come by it honestly. I'm not shaming you for it, it just is. Like the girl I interviewed last week. Well, I said, you know, when I say the word love, what do you think of? And she said, love doesn't exist. I said, why would you say that? She said, because I've been hurt so many times. She, she, has, re, she has resolved, she's in her mid-20s, and she has resolved that love does not exist. What a horrible existence. But to close yourself off is a grave danger. Not only will it make your heart sick, it will also sabotage your divine assignment. Because you and I are called by God to be loved by God and then to love others with the love of God. And so if you're going to decide, I'm never going to be loved or love again because I don't ever want to be hurt again, your heart's going to grow sick and you're not going to be able to fulfill your divine assignment. Because we are called to love a sin-soaked, sick world with the love of God. This is what C.S. Lewis says about this. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round with hobbies and little luxuries, avoid all entanglements, lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all dangers and perturbations, I looked that up, it means anxieties, of love is C. S. Lewis. So we are called to be loved by God and to share God's love with others. You say, Well, I don't want to do that. Then you don't want to fulfill your divine assignment. But I believe you do want to fulfill your God God divine assignment on earth. I don't think you want to waste your life. I don't think you want to be like in that that movie Home Alone, you remember? Or was it Home Alone in New York? Home Alone Two, when they go to New York. Remember that? And he meets the lady that lives out in the, uh, the park. The where the birds, right. And she says that she's decided not to love again. She's not going to love anymore because she got hurt. And then, you know, Macaulay Culkin says, you know, I had this set of, you know, roller skates, right? Was it? He had roller skates. And he never wore them. He put them in a box. And then he said he outgrew them, and he never got to wear them. And he says, that's like your heart. You're not going to be able to use your heart. You can't live life without love. So I want to look at God's love. I'm going to give you three attributes about what God's love is, so we can kind of get a glimpse on what this, what the love of God really looks like. All right, three things. Number one, God's love is humble. This is shocking to me. Look what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine: Accept my teachings and learn from me, because I am gentle. And humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. I've been thinking about this all week long because it is so hard to wrap my mind around the fact that God is humble. Think about it the richest, wisest, most powerful, most beautiful, has the most followers. Supreme being in all the universe, the possessor of every possession, is humble. What well, if that was you? You're the richest, you're the most handsome, you're the most beautiful, you had the biggest house, you have the most followers, you have the nicest car, most handsome husband, most beautiful wife, perfect kids. What does that do to us as human beings? Puff 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 right most education live in the nicest neighborhoods most famous arrogance and pride it just like fills us up god is all of that and yet he's humble that's kind of weird to me but it's his nature A pastor friend of mine, I was in a pastor's group one time and we were just all sharing and he said, I had a dream. It was a vision. He said, I had a vision. And Jesus was riding on a white horse and he came riding in like the captain of the armies of heaven. And my pastor friend was just in awe, of course, if you saw that, right? And Jesus comes riding right up to him, right up to him on his horse, and then he looks him right in the eyes. <laughs> and what he saw was, he t- was totally unexpected. He said, Jesus, the Son of God, looked at me, and the look in his eyes was as though we were equals. That's what humility does. You can be richer, better looking, more educated, more powerful, more physically fit, whatever it might be, than the person that you're approaching. But humility doesn't make the other person feel less than. Jesus looked at this man as though they were equal. We we're brothers. And he said, I was shocked. And there was another pastor there that said, Well, I'm shocked that you're shocked because that's the gospel. <laughs> I was like, Here we go. It was Ken that said that. Yeah. And you're not shocked that Ken said that he, yeah, right, yeah, right. You see, if you think you're better than someone else, you can't treat them the way God wants you to treat them. God wants us to treat one another the way he treats us, and he does not come to us as though he's superior. It's just, it really is, it really is mind-blowing. That's why when Jesus is sitting around with all of his disciples, and Jesus takes off his rabbinical robe and puts on the towel of the lowest uh, house servant, the lowest station of, of servants in a household, is the one who Washes their feet when they come in from walking on the dusty roads with their sandals, and you wash their feet. Jesus puts on a towel and begins to wash Peter's feet. And Peter said, No, you're not going to wash my feet, right? Because you're superior. I'm inferior, right? You're the king. We're in your cabinet. And Jesus said, If you don't let me wash your feet, you can't be a part of me because this is how I roll. This is my kingdom. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to be servant of all. God is our servant. I know that just made your heads tilt, and you're like, "Wait a minute, that's 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 not right." You got to stop right there. I know. God is humble. (laughs) That just blows my mind. I believe God wants us to exercise humility not only because it makes our relationships work, but because it's like Him. We are being transformed into His image, and He is humble. And and here's a fact, God gives us opportunities to humble ourselves, but if we won't, he will help us. And if you've been there, you don't want to go there again. It's not a resort town, I promise you. Jesus said it this way, you can fall on the rock and be broken, or you can have the rock fall on you and be crushed to powder, but either way, I'm going to help you be humble. So the smart person finds ways to humble themselves all day long. Because here's another fact. Pride blocks heaven's flow and it opens hell's flow. And humility opens heaven's flow and blocks hell's flow. Satan got cast out of heaven because of his pride. Jesus was exalted from the dead to the right hand of the Father because of his humility. Philippians chapter 2. He humbled himself even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So God highly exalted him. Peter says, if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. You see, pride blocks heaven's flow in your life and it opens hell's flow. Humility opens heaven's flow and blocks hell's flow in your life. So the first attribute of God's love is humility. Here's five quick attributes of humility. Ready? We're going to do these very quickly. Number one is authentic. It's an honest assessment of your present condition. Just no posing, nobody to impress, nothing to prove, this is who I am, this is, this is the real me. Authentic. Humility is just authentic. Number two, it's not defensive. It's not touchy. You know, sometimes you write an email to somebody and it takes you forever because you got to be careful with the way you word things because they'll get so easily offended. It's like, this is exhausting. Or you can just email a friend that you know believes the best of you. You believe the best of them. You love one another. You need to throw it out there raw, right? And they will interpret anything you say in a, in a, in a good light. Somebody who's easily defensive and prickly. Oh my gosh, it takes forever to write them an email teachable. Humility is teachable. Nobody knows everything except for God. So we can all learn from one another. This one might surprise you. I believe humility is confident. You see, false humility is, oh, I'm nothing. Uh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worth anything. It's not true. You're made in the image of God. You have talents. You have gifts, right? You have abilities, right? You're somebody. God made you. You belong. You 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 count. I believe true humility is what I call humble confidence, and that is I know who I am and what I'm capable of, and I know it all came from God. Like one person, you know, sang this beautiful song, and you know, a complimented her, and I didn't say this is not true. But. Somebody sings a beautiful song, you compliment her. And she says, oh, it was all God, it was all God. And you say, oh, no, sweetheart, if that was all God, it would have been a lot better than that. (laughs) You see, that's false humility. Humility would say thank you. Holy Spirit's faithful. Humility also empowers others. Uh, You're not afraid of other people prospering you're not afraid of other people joining your friend group as though love's going to shrink no love expands and that brings us to the second point about love first it's humble secondly true love god's love is others centered not self-centered others centered I mean, if you if you've interacted with the general public at all, you know that it's very difficult to have an, a high estimation of the human race. Right? But how does God see the human race? God so loved the lovable. Oh, did I did I misquote that? God so loved those who love him. Okay, say it out loud. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That is why the core of Christianity, that is why at its core Christianity is not only counterculture, we're counter human nature. Jesus doesn't just say that we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, which means we identify with one another. He takes it a step further and says that we are to treat each other not just as equals, but treat others as though they're more important than you are. I mean, it says it right here. Look, Romans 12. Love each other like brothers and sisters. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. Okay, now, <laughs> now... Now we're counter human nature. We say, well, I don't need to be honored. Sure you do. Just be dishonored for a moment. And see, see how you react. Nobody likes to be dishonored because we were created from honor, with honor. The Bible says that. It says that we were crowned with glory and honor when you were created. That's why the Bible says this. Husbands, hang on. God says that if you don't treat your wife as an equal, and give her honor, I will not answer your prayers. Yeah, she's like, can you say it again? Say it louder. Can you say it? (laughs) Yes, because God says, you're not going to treat my daughter that way. You can't come to me as father, and you're treating my daughter with dishonor. God says, I honor those who honor me. some husbands need to get up. They're going to, I need to go home right now. <laughs> I got to go fix some stuff. Yeah. We all want honor. He says, so give more honor to others than you want for yourself. And you might say, yeah, well that might leave me behind and it, you know, I might be taken advantage of. Maybe, but you'll be like Christ. Jesus even takes this honoring a step further, this other-centeredness. He not only says that we're to treat each other as equals, then he not only takes it a step further and says, actually, you need to treat others better than yourself. He even takes it a step further and says, we are to love our enemies. Look what he says here. You have heard that it was said, love your... Remember, we're talking about the love of God. So we've departed human love already. You guys realize that? We're way beyond human love now. We're into God's love area. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. God so loved the world. Pray for those who hurt you. If, everybody say if. (laughs) If, that's a big if, isn't it? If you do this, you will be true children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on good people and on evil people. And he sends rain to those who do not, who do right and those who do wrong. You see that? That's the love of God, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. The agape, the unconditional love. If you love only the people who love you, you get no reward. Even the tax collectors do that. If you are nice only to your friends, you are no better than other people. Even those who don't know God are nice to their friends, so you must be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And that doesn't excuse me, I'm going to get my water. That doesn't mean perfection. He's talking about being mature in um, the nature of God. There was a, a sign that was on a door. This is a test about other-centeredness. It was a sign that was on a door that said, please close for other people's comfort. Nobody closed the door. So they changed the sign, please close for your own comfort. Everybody's closing the door. <laughs> right? We're, we're just, we're just, we're self-centered by fallen human nature. We're not other-centered. Okay, let me give you a test. If you think, oh, that's horrible, let me give you a test. Okay, when you're on the freeway... And somebody that's a car length ahead of you puts on their blinker to come over into your lane, do you slow down to let them in or do you close the gap? Huh? Huh? Uh, we got some self righteous people over here. I always slow down. Go ahead, process it. Just get it all out, process. See this, see this conditional gap closing going on over here? That's not the love of God. I don't hear the love of God. I hear conditions. If they use their blinker, but if they don't, I'm glad you're not God. I don't, I don't always use my blinker. And I'll tell you what else I don't do. I don't put Jesus bumper stickers on my car. Because I don't know exactly how I'm going to behave on any given day. I want to be like Jesus, but I know I'm not always. (laughs) I know, especially on the way to church. The closer I get to church, the more polite I am in my driving, because I might be one of you. (laughs) I'm confessing right now. I was just getting it all out. Is this a safe place? This is a safe place, right? All right. I cut you off today. Being others-centered begins. Okay, now now catch this because we got. I got to bring this to a close. We got one more activity to God's love. Being others-centered begins with making it your sole purpose in life to be the biggest blessing possible to everyone around you. Like that needs to be your sole motivation in life, every day of your life. How can I be a blessing? God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Not, I'm going to bless you so you're the most blessed person in the world. That's not, I mean, that's just gross. God is a giver. Do you know that, that, that research has shown that other centered people are the happiest, healthiest people in the world? You can't just be uh, the Dead Sea. You can't just have, you can't be, you just can't, you know, have no outflow. It all comes in and then it just sits there and it's a cesspool. And the water gets sick and fish die. You can't just say me, 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 my, 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 more, 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 more. No, Jesus, Jesus says out of your belly shall flow rivers, not a lake. He's called us to be rivers of living water. The more you flow out, the more will flow in. It's just that the water always stays fresh. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Okay, but this will cost you. The third attribute of God's love, and that is God's love is sacrificial. Love is not known until it is shown. You can say you love someone, but it's not even real until it costs you something. That's how you know it's real love. It costs you something. Love is real sacrifice and for us as believers every relationship we have begins with sacrifice it's sustained through sacrifice it ends with sacrifice because that's jesus jesus sacrificed himself for us so we sacrifice ourselves for one another and for lost and dying world. that's who we are we are a sacrificial people If somebody, if a relationship isn't working, it's because somebody's not sacrificing. Sacrificing time, sacrificing priorities, sacrifice your pride, sacrifice your money, sacrifice your attention. Somebody's being selfish. That's why it's not working. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's why our love is supposed to be supernatural to the point where the world's like, wow, those people love each other. Because they see sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. It's like because we're others centered. Greatest example, Romans 5, 8, and 10. But God, everybody say the word showed. Remember, love is not known until it is shown. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. For our friendship with God, there it is, our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son. While we were still His enemies. Anybody giving Christmas gifts to an enemy this this Christmas season? God gave us the greatest gift when we were His enemies. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. When I was a new believer, I had the hardest time believing that God loved me. And I remember crying out to Him daily, God, show me that You love me. Prove to me that You love me. Let me know you love me. I was just filled with shame. Shame had not yet been broken in my life. I didn't know about shame. I didn't understand it. I didn't, I didn't understand that's what I was feeling. And shame puts up like this steel wall between you and heaven. And you're always trying to work for God's approval, work for God's love. You can be serving in the church, trying to get God's approval, giving money, doing whatever you're trying to do. It's just like this, you know, because you know that you're unlovable, especially when you come up against a holy God. I mean, that's not, that's easy to come by. You know, you just feel small and, and, and shamed and broken and unlovable when you come up against God. I mean, everybody in the, I mean, Peter, you know, is in the fishing boat with Jesus. And once he realized who Jesus was, what did he do? Fell on his knees and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. See, that's the first reaction when we as sin, sinful beings come into the presence of a holy God is it reveals our shame and our sinfulness. That's why you've got to get a revelation to God's grace. So there's no way you can walk with God it's all by grace. Everybody say grace. grace. Shout it loud. Say grace. grace. It's all by his grace. Grace, 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 grace. You can't earn it. But I, I, I was having a hard time with that connection. A lot of people do. And all he would say to me is over and over and over, and he'd give me one answer. It was so annoying. Look at the cross. Look at the cross, look at the cross, look at the cross, look at the cross. Yeah, I watch the Jesus movies. I read about it in the Bible. I'm looking at the cross. You know, Jesus died. Yeah, I get it, right? What he was trying to say to me was love is not known until it is shown. And I showed you my love. You got to own that. You've got to own that Jesus died for you. And when you realize that he showed you his friendship on the cross, and you can put your name on that cross, that Jesus died for me. Whew, that love, man, it will break you, and then it will change you, and it will heal you and cause you to love him back. Because our love is responsive his love isn't we feel his love we experience his love we know his love and now we love him back and everything we do for god is i love you i love you i love you okay so i just want you to close your eyes real quick and i want to go to response time and i want to ask you a few questions and i want you to think about these questions as i ask you these questions okay and i want you to really think about these honestly and invite the holy spirit Into this moment so that he can do a little bit of surgery on your spiritual heart. So we can walk out of here. Exhibiting, knowing and exhibiting the love of God. Here's the first question. How do you truly view yourself as it relates to others? Do you see yourself better than others? Because of the color of your skin, the car you drive, the education you have, the place you live, the family you came from. Do you see yourself as better than others? If so, just confess that to the Lord right now. Say, Lord, forgive me. I, I truly am arrogant. I really do think I'm better than others. Forgive me. Just get it out. Just tell him, say, forgive me. Or do you see yourself less than others? There's a question I want you to think about. How do you think God wants you to see yourself? How do you think God wants you to see yourself? This is humility. I want you to ask the Lord that question and then I'm going to ask for a response here how do you ask the Lord say how do you want me to see myself Just see what comes to your heart or your mind okay if you feel like the Lord just spoke to you in some way just raise your hand okay now what did he say You don't have to share it if you don't want to. What do you say? <laughs> yeah. Woo! That's awesome. Somebody else. What's that? Through His Word. How does He want you to see yourself? Through His Word. Yes. Not the words of others through his word. And if their word is up with his word, then they can just go, they can just go eat lunch. <laughs> right? Yeah, have a burger, have a burger mm-hmm. on me. I'll just go, just, you go over there. Somebody else. During that little response time. Yes. Dignity. God wants you to see yourself as valuable. Back here, forgiven, redeemed. Yeah. Amen. You know, Jesus says that uh, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve, Kyle, that's right, and to give his life a ransom for many. The word ransom means a payment to release a prisoner. What a friend. Come on what a friend i've come not to be served wow isn't that the opposite of consumerism i've come to serve that will that will cause a marriage to flourish for decades you don't get married to be happy you get married to make the other person happy if they're and if if you're both doing that I'm here to serve you and I'm here to serve you and you meet each other's needs and you try to fill each other's desires in a healthy way that, that's a, it's not 50-50 it's 100-100 I'm all in baby one more somebody because we're going to the next question Mary how do you want to, How how does God want you to see yourself mother and what does that mean nurturing and you are a wonderful mother to all of us <laughs> you are you're a spiritual mom you're a natural mom grandma great-grandma we're we going for great-great <laughs> okay here's another question all right we we have time for me to do this this is response time okay i'm not preaching anymore this is us Digesting the word that was preached, letting God do a work. Close your eyes online. I hope you're still with us. Here's another question Where in your life do you think you can humble yourself? Ask the Holy Spirit if you don't know. Where in my life can I humble myself? Closed and locked in with the Holy Spirit. Follow up question and what would that look like? I'm not gonna ask you to share that publicly well unless you want to so I guess that would be a show of humility wouldn't it anybody want to answer that one stop trying to be so self-sufficient, be so self-sufficient. okay all of those who are trying to be self-sufficient once you come up to the altar right now we'll just yeah, yeah. <laughs> being so self-sufficient I love it but it's so good do you know uh, when I was in my early 20s I, and I learned faith I was getting miracles to my prayers I mean I was getting miracles I could just tell you story after story and then boop, it all cut off and I thought I thought what is there sin in my life and what's going on here that my prayers aren't being answered the Lord spoke to me and said I've taught you how to live by faith. Now I want to teach you how to be, depend on the body of Christ. And I tell you, it was a—it was the most beautiful transition in my life because I had to start telling people, not just God, but people, what my needs were, and then God started providing to me through people. And it was still much of a supernatural, like, you know, I don't take the time to tell you stories, but you know when God's providing for you through somebody, and it's supernatural. And I started to learn how God wants us to be interdependent. Christianity is not a solo sport. So I say yes, big and fat yeses all the time now. I mean, those of you that know it, know me and the, the suffering my wife and my family has been through all these years. If you're going to offer me something, plan on giving it up, because I'm not going to do this Oh, no, oh, no, that's okay. Oh, no, none of that's coming your way, okay? If you're going to offer me something, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to give you a big hug, a kiss on the cheek, and take whatever you're offering. Because why rob you of the joy of giving? Because of my pride. I'm serious. And I like getting stuff. It makes life easier when you're giving and receiving. So I love that. Somebody else. Where did God say you could humble yourself and what would that look like? Yes. Love the lost more. Yep. Lift your eyes. See the harvest. That's right. Okay, last question. And we're going to open up the prayer teams will be up here and we'll pray for you. Last question. Just close your eyes again online if you'll do this with us. What does the word sacrifice mean to you and how does it make you feel when you hear that word? What does the word sacrifice mean to you and how does it make you feel when you hear that word? Love the fact that you're ready to go. Give the Holy Spirit just a moment. What does the word sacrifice mean to you? How does it make you feel when you hear that word? Okay, go, Phil. Discomfort. All the extroverts are taking multiple turns. Come on, introverts. You just gotta. You just gotta we got to hear from you. You guys have the best thoughts. Just keep them to yourself. Oh, I'm, okay, we're going to go right here because she had not gone yet. Oh. Reaching out your arms to those who would lash out. Wow. Do you know that's so interesting because there was a little piece of this teaching I didn't get to today because it's, you can't be cheap with it. I want to say this. Being other-centered, humble, and sacrificed does not mean you make yourself vulnerable to abuse. I quit the ministry early on in my early 20s because I got burned out because I thought I had to be there for everyone all the time or I wasn't a good pastor. And then I learned the difference between selfishness, and stewardship. I only have so much time, and so do you, so many resources, so much emotional reserve as a human being. You're limited. God's unlimited. You're limited. And so when Jesus said, if somebody asked for your coat, give them your shirt too, he didn't say, and your underwear, right? You can't like give everything you have because you have other responsibilities unless he tells you to give everything you have. Now, that's a supernatural assignment. But, and I say that only because of what you just said, sometimes people can think that to be like Jesus, you have to put yourself into dangerous situations, even if it's going to cost you. And that takes the wisdom of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But yes, there are times when the Lord or sacrifice would mean reaching out to those who would lash back. And if God calls you to do that, he will protect you, like with me and my father. That was a, that was a divine experience. Somebody else. What does sacrifice mean to you? Okay, wait a minute. For those who haven't gone yet, Dan. Reflection. So, upcoming in January, we may be doing a fast. I can't see the so, Yeah. Sacrifice is an opportunity. And God loves your honesty about hating fasting. God already knows it's not like we're fooling Him when we act all pious. Yeah, sacrifice is certainly uncomfortable. But I'll tell you this. Every time you never more like Jesus than when you're sacrificing for the benefit of someone else. And God sees it, and God will reward you for it. Facts. Let's pray. All right, Lord, we've been talking about your love today, and we all have uh, heard that it is beyond us. And so, thank you for the scripture that says that you pour the love of God into our hearts. Lord, I'm asking for a fresh baptism of your love today for us and those online that are with us today or watching this later. Lord, I ask right now, Father, we need a baptism of your love. We need your love. Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God in and on us and through us. We can talk about it all day long. But only you can make it happen. And so, Lord, we receive. We receive. We receive. I believe I have a word for somebody. Let God love you anyway. Let God love you anyway. Let Him love you. Let Him love you. Let it in.
1: I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, I have lived in the goodness of God, all my life you have been. Goodness. Goodness. Your goodness is running after, it's running out me. Your goodness is running out, running out me. My life laid down, I surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running out. the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness.
0: teams to come up, and if you have never given your life to the Lord, today's the day. Okay. If you need physical healing in your body, come on up for prayer. You just might get a miracle. If you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's where the power and the presence of God comes upon you, fill you with His Holy Spirit, or you need a fresh infilling. It's not a one-time experience. Salvation is, but you need a continual infilling of the Holy Spirit, because He is the power of of the Christian life and you come on up and just get prayer while we're here Jesus said we're two or more gathered I am there there's a power of agreement and um, you might get prophecy you might get your prayer language be able to speak in other tongues and pray to God in a way you've never been able to before go love somebody in Jesus name yeah.